we're into week two of our journey here uh, of encouragement to grow. That's, that's my prayer, that as a, as a church, as a community of saved people, we would grow in our relationship with God, that we would grow in our faith of Him, and that we would open up our hearts to transformation. Because the work of God takes place down here beneath the surface. He wants to do an inner work of transformation in all of our lives. He wants to reshape our character, essentially. And so last week we began by talking about the path to maturity as uh, we looked at the life of Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament. And I spoke about transforming uh, the hidden places of our lives beneath the surface of our lives. I had a picture of an iceberg up there, and you know, it's that, that bit that's visible that we see, but there's a large part of us that nobody really sees. It's that, that part that is beneath the surface. And so we were talking about, and we're going to be talking about this transformational work that God wants to do on the inside. And so I spoke last week about slowing down, slowing our lives down to reflect and to be more self-aware, to be aware of who we are, as who am I as an individual. And I also spoke about letting God shape us through the difficulties in life. Let, let God sh- shape us and form us through uh, setbacks, through challenges, through times of testing. And I also encouraged us last week that we need to pay attention to our walk with God. We need to nurture our relationship with the Lord. And today, uh, today, so today, as we continue, the question that I want to ask is this. Do you know yourself? Think about that for a moment. I'm just going to have a sip of water. Do you know yourself? <clears throat> Do you know who you are? Do you know deep down what's happening on the inside? Do you know yourself? <clears throat> um, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the life of David, and we're going to look at how closely related uh, an awareness of ourself is and our, and our relationship with God. Because it's when we get to grips with who we are beneath the surface that really counts in our relationship and our understanding with God, being honest with God about who we are. So an awareness of ourself is really important. You know, we've been praying for some time here at Renew um, for someone to step up and get our youth ministry going. <clears throat> we've met twice already, and uh, we're going to meet again, I think it's next week, I think after, or maybe the week after, the week after. She's going, it's after next week. Next week, by the way, is Mother's Day. Um, so for those of you who've signed up to bring a cake, please be sure to bring that, because after, after the service, what we're going to do is we're just going to have some time of coffee and tea and cake and stuff, so come and celebrate our moms with us. We're not going to make a big deal out of Mother's Day. So if that's been something in your life that's been traumatic or it's a day you avoid, we're not making a massive issue out of it next week, but we are going to honor our moms after the service. So that's next week. But uh, the week after, we're going to get our youth together again. And, uh, and so I've been praying that God would lead us in showing us somebody or maybe a couple or maybe one or two folk who would be able to lead our youth ministry here at Renew because she and I are trying to do it and we're so old and decrepit and out of touch. You know, we listen to the Beatles and I don't know who they listen to these days, but, you know, or she listens to Christian music. I don't always listen to Christian music. (laughs) Um, But let's say I came to you this morning and I said, hey, Ian, I think you're the guy maybe. No, you wouldn't be the guy. <laughs> Maybe I came to somebody a little younger. Let me, let me see who's a little younger here this morning. 
Lord, who's the person? 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 <laughs> John, it's John. You, you. <laughs> Imagine I came to you this morning and I said, I think you're the guy or you're the couple who should lead our youth ministry here at Renew. Um, or, or maybe what I do is I come to you and I say, hey, I think you, you are capable of leading a small group at Renew. I think you've got what it takes. I think you'll be able to nurture some people, get them together in, in, a, in a small group. Let, let, let's say I did that this morning. And you look at me and you go, uh, Andrew, uh, uh, okay, okay, I'll do it. You say you'll do it, but you don't really want to do it. And so when you get the group going, the youth group or the small group, you're doing it, you're there. You're there in body, right? But, but, but in your heart and mentally, you're not, you're not there. You, but you're doing it. You keep doing it week after week, fortnight after fortnight. You just keep, keep on doing it. You're not even sure why you're doing it, but you're doing it. You're doing it because you said yes to me. And you don't want to let me down. So you keep on doing it. The problem, though, is that me and whoever it is that you're supposed to be leading and whoever it is that you're supposed to be serving is not getting the real you. They're actually getting the fake you. They're getting the imposter you. Let, 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 me, let me use two other examples here. Let, let's say you are struggling with anger in your life or disappointment. I don't know. Maybe, maybe something's happened and, and it's just left you fuming, right? You, you're just fuming on the inside. You're so angry about this issue. Or you have been absolutely crushed by disappointment. Something's happened and on the inside you're just, you're just, you're just done. And when you're on your own, you, you express that, right? You, 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 you harboring, your, your, your thoughts are on that, that anger or that disappointment. You might even express it out loud. But then when you're with your friends, perhaps even your spouse, hey, how you doing? Happy days, you know, it's all good, all good on the surface. You, you're nice, you're full of smiles. But inside, you're miserable. And so your friends, the people around you, your spouse maybe, are getting a fake you. They're not getting the real you. And the bad thing is, you know, is, is not necessarily the anger and the disappointment because there's ways of dealing with that. The bad thing is that you are being somebody you are not. You're being an imposter. You're being a fake. And you know, it's the same thing in your relationship with God. If you don't know yourself, if you're not aware of what's going on on the inside yet, how can you give yourself to God? How can you give yourself to anyone? How could you be in a healthy, happy relationship with anyone if you're not slowing down to become aware of what's going on on the inside here and being honest about what's going on on the inside? If we're not honest about what's going on on the, on the inside of us, it's going to land up limiting our relationship with the people who are around us in our life. But most importantly, it's going to limit our relationship with God. It's like if I'm not honest about who I am in my marriage with my wife, Debbie, she's not going to get the real me. We're not going to reach that place of, of, of intimacy and love for one another because I'm not giving the real me to her. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden um, of Eden before sin, they were totally unified within themselves. There was no fragmentation. They were the same person inside and outside. And so they gave themselves to each other in relationship, Adam and Eve, but they also gave themselves completely to God. Um, and it was beautiful. 
There was no fragmentation, no, 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 no difference between what was on the outside and what was on the inside. It was the same person. But then what we read in Scripture is that they rebelled against God. And we know this in theological terms as the fall, right? The fall is, is, is when sin entered into the human race. And so what you see when you read Genesis chapter 3 is we see that the integration and the unity of the inside world and the outside world was broken. Their lives got divided. They were fragmented. They, they landed up getting cut off from God, cut off from each other, cut off really from themselves. They put on masks, started to blame each other. It was her. It was him. It was, it were, you know, started to blame each other. And so their true authentic self in God was shattered. They began to live really as a fake self, as an, as an imposter, a false self. They were not living out God's original intention for their lives. And when we read Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 4, we see that it just landed up being a big, fat mess. Let's think about that for a moment, because I think very often we, in our own lives, we can be like Adam and Eve. We are often divided within ourselves. We are unsure of who we are. We wrestle on the inside, and so we... we we, we, we try to portray something different to what's in here, and, and we, we, we cover up our true, authentic self. We cover up who, who we are before God. We, we kind of behave like Adam and Eve did, you know, when, when God wants to come and God wants to commune and God wants to have relationship. And, we, and there's stuff on the inside here that we're not being honest about. We're not opening it up before God and saying, God, here's the true me. We behave like Adam and Eve. Is Where are you? Where are you? And, and we cover ourselves up with fig leaves like Adam and Eve did. And so it's a, it's a part of sin. And I want to talk about this this morning. I want to talk about you know, what might be happening in our lives that, that would show us this fakeness, this falseness. What, what, are, what are the symptoms of a false self? And so some of the things that we might point to or look at are, are these. I've got a list of 15 things here. Um, I say yes when I really mean no. Anybody identify with that? Okay, my wife does. I'm have to pray about that. <clears throat> I get depressed when people are upset with me. Or have, I have a need to be approved by others to feel good about myself. I act nice on the outside, but on the inside, man, I can't stand you. I often remain silent in order to keep the peace. Man, I'm just going to shut up. I'll just keep the peace, right? I believe, uh, I see there are some people here this morning. <laughs> you know, that false self, that's what we're talking about here. What's going on on the inside that is a symptom of, because we want to come to a place of wholeness, right? But... I believe that if, if I make mistakes, I myself am a failure. How many people are walking around living their lives in that way? I criticize others in order to feel better about myself. I avoid looking weak or, or foolish for not having the answer. Who's going to have the answer? I don't, I don't want to look like I, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I have to be doing something exceptional to feel alive. I have to be needed to feel alive. Or I'm fearful. I can't take risks. I do, I, I do what others want so that they don't get angry at me. I use knowledge and competence to, to cover my feelings uh, of inadequacy. Now I want my children to behave well so others will think that I'm a good parent. I compare myself a lot to other people. 
those are, those are symptoms that indicate that I'm probably living a lot more out of a fake self, a false self, than an authentic self in God. And when you catch yourself doing that stuff, that's when you need to slow down and say, God, what's going on on the inside of me? I'm bringing this before you. I don't want to cover this up before you. I don't want to live this way. I want to be an authentic, genuine life before you. I want to live in the way that you have, have made me, true to who you've made me to be. So if we're really going to know God, we need to know what's happening deep down on the inside of us. And here's why I think David is such a great example. He, 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 to me, he's an example of someone in the Bible who, who really knew who he was. He, was he, he got to grips with who he was. And he was true to himself. He was true to who he, who he was. And when you read about David, you read the Psalms. Man, this guy knew God. He was honest and open before God about himself. He really had a rich, deep relationship with God, but he was in touch with who he was. In 1 Samuel, this is a very, 1 Samuel 17, a very well-known story. You know, you know the story of um, David and Goliath. Oh, my goodness. Let's start at the beginning. A bit. Let's just go back to that slide. I'll get to this one. I'll start again. Do you know the story in 1 Samuel 17 about David and Goliath? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad, Lord, they do read it. They read the word. Okay. So maybe you learned this in Sunday school or whatever. But, but I'm going to quickly recap the story because what we have here is this fledgling nation of Israel, right? And uh, they come up against the armies of, of the Philistines. And I don't know how much, how much of history you know, but the Philistines were from Crete. And the Philistines were a seafaring people. They were an adventurous people. If anybody, my favorite show on TV is Vikings. Anybody ever, I love Vikings. So the Philistines were a bit like the Vikings. You know, they were like, let's get on a boat and go and discover and explore and conquer. That's what the Philistines were like. And, and um, don't judge me because I like Vikings, okay? <clears throat> what happens with the Philistines is they land up settling along the coast of Palestine. And the Israelites, they were kind of up in, 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 in the mountains under the leadership of their brand new, very first time king, King Saul. And, and what you see in the second half of the 11th century BC is, is the, the Philistines begin to move inland. They begin to move eastwards and um, they wind their way upstream uh, in, uh, in the Ella Valley. Uh, you, that's in the Bible, right? This, the Ella Valley. And, and, and the goal of the Philistines was to capture the mountain ridge uh, close to the area of Bethlehem because what the Philistines wanted to do is they wanted to divide the Israelites. They wanted to split Saul's kingdom into two. And the Philistines were, they were like the Vikings. They, they were vicious people. Like they, would, they, they were bloodthirsty. They were tested in battle, right? They were dangerous. And they were like the sworn enemies of the Israelites. So obviously when King Saul gets word of what the Philistines are up to, he gets a little concerned, a little worried. He gets his, his men together, get, forms an army, because we're going to have to confront the Philistines. And the Philistines set up camp along the southern ridge of, of, the, of the valley of Elah, and the Israelites, they pitch their tents on the northern ridge. And basically what you have is these two armies looking across this valley area, at each other across this ravine. They're looking at each other across the valley and nobody wants to move because to, to, to attack means that you've got to come down, you've got to descend from where you are 
cross the valley and, and, uh, and then do a suicidal mission up the other side to try and get to the enemy. So basically, you have these two armies at war and they're in deadlock. And finally, the Philistines have, that's enough. They've had enough. And so they send their greatest warrior down into the valley. And this guy's a, he's a dude. I mean, Barry, stand up quickly. <clears throat> look at this dude. I mean, look at the power. Look at the muscles. You puny compared to this guy. <laughs> this guy, Goliath, it was a giant, right? I don't know, seven foot at least, probably. Like, he, he, he was, he, you know, they, they describe, the Bible describes his armor. He's got this big bronze helmet. He's got this full, like, you know, full body armor. He, he carries a spear and a sword and a javelin. I mean, this guy's a monster. And the, the Philistines send him out down into the valley, and he gets down into the valley, and he begins to shout at the Israelites. He's like, you know, Let's do the battle this way, pigs. I don't know if you said that, but something along those lines. He's like, this is what we're going to do. We'll, you send somebody out to fight me, and whoever wins, wins. Right? You, if we win, you become our slaves. If you win, we become your slaves. Ha <laughs> ha, not going to happen. This is Goliath, full of himself. He, he, he ridicules the army of Israel. And it's quite clear when, when you read about him that he doesn't know God. And the Bible says that when he stepped out to challenge the army of Israel, it says that Saul, the king, who had already been in a bunch of battles, it says that all the Israelite soldiers, many of whom had been in battles before, the Bible says that when this giant came out, it says that they were dismayed. Not only dismayed, but terrified. Terrified. That's what the scripture says. And Goliath does this for 40 days. He comes down. He intimidates them. He strikes fear right into their hearts. And so here these Israelites are, wetting their pants. They're that scared. No one wants to go out and face Goliath. And into all of this walks David. And because he knows himself and he knows God, He's able just to cut through all of the nonsense, all of the rubbish. He's able because he knows who he is in God. He's in touch with who he is. He knows what's going on on the inside of here, below the surface. He knows who his God is. He's able to cut through all the, you know the word. And we're told that David shows up because he has come to bring some food for his three older brothers. And let's just read here. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to read verse 23 and 24 and then verse 26. And so David comes and he begins to talk with some of the soldiers, some of the Israelite soldiers. And as, as he's talking with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, comes up out of the ranks of the Philistines and speaks the same words as before. Hey, pigs! And David hears him. And all the Israelites... It says, when they saw the man, when they saw Goliath, they fled from him. They were that afraid. They were very much afraid. They were terrified. And verse 26, it says that David said to the guys who were with him, they said, what's going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Come on. We need a guy who's going to take away the reproach from Israel. How can, how can this be happening? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? 
And, and you know, right here is where David encounters his very first obstacle, his family. And I want to talk about this for a moment, the power of, of family. You know, we don't know if David had any sisters, but the Bible tells us that he was, he was the youngest of eight brothers, and Eliab was the, the eldest. Uh, and his father, Jesse, um, he was an older guy. He was described as aging and, and, and dying. And David's job as a young boy really, well, I don't know, maybe he was a Jude's age. You can imagine, uh, D- you've probably got the same hairstyle as, as David. And uh, so you can imagine, being da- that's been David. And David's job was to be back with the sheep, looking after the flock, right, tending, tending the sheep. Um, but at, at his father's request, he brings some food for his brothers who are up at the battlefront. And the Bible tells us that when Eliab heard that David had been speaking with all of the soldiers, his older brother gets really angry with, angry with David. He gets really annoyed with him. He tells him that he's conceited, tells him that his heart is wicked, right? And here's David. He's a, he's a young, young man, almost young adult, right? He's coming out of teenager years to an adult, young adult. He's just trying to help. We don't know too much about his family life, but you know what? We get a bit of a picture of what's going on over here by the way that his brother treats him. He's slandered. He's ignored. He's disregarded. Put down as nothing. The message from his brothers are, is like, you're, you, you're a nobody. What are you doing? Get out of here. Go home. Now, here's the thing. We all have stuff on the inside that we carry because of sin. We have stuff deep down in here that if that we know is sinful, that we know on the inside, we know that's not of God, it's not God's ways. And if we don't deal with it, it just kind of stays there. And so many of us, we've, we've got that stuff on the inside. But you know, our families, and even the best of families, can sometimes add to the layers of that false self. They can add to the layers of that fake self. They can smother our true self, who we are, who God's made us to be. Often we grow up in families or we can grow up in cultures where certain parts of who we are our true selves, um, it's, you know, it's, like you, it's like you're considered to be silly or stupid, you know, or, or, you know, that's unacceptable. And we grow up with that stuff in our life. And so what happens is that, that that's the message that's getting beamed at us, and we land up burying stuff. We land up hiding it or cutting it off so that we can, so that we can survive or so that we can conform. And so we don't express feelings uh, or, 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 or thoughts that are, that, are, that, are, that are who we are. We can be afraid to make mistakes. We can be afraid to be vulnerable, vulnerable about who we are or try out something new. And then when we grow up into adulthood, we realize, I'm sure for most of us, we realize that our parents or our caregivers, you know, they were doing the best that they could. We realize that, yes, they genuinely loved us, but perhaps for some of us, they loved us not for who we are, uniquely crafted by God, but for who they wanted us to be. And, and that can create a tension and a struggle on the inside of us. Because how many people go through life thinking, well, if I just did this, I'll be loved. If I just did that, I'll be accepted. If, if, if I get married, I'll be loved. If, if I go off to university, I'll be doing the right thing. Right? If, if, I, if I become a professional or if I, if I get um, a certain job or if I make a lot of money, then it's going to be okay. I'll be accepted. Here's David, and he's ignored, and he's disregarded. It's basically shut up and go home. And maybe, 
Maybe some of you know what that's like. Maybe you know what it's like to be alive and nobody notices you. Nobody noticed David. But God noticed David. And David noticed David. And David, as a result, was able to get through all of the nonsense that was coming at him from his family. He was able to cut through that dynamic that could so easily have shut him down. Because if he did not know who he was in God, and his brothers were saying, get out of here, go home, he could very easily have done that. If he wasn't in a relationship with God and knew who he was, he could have said, you're right, who am I? I'm out of here. But because he knew who he was and he knew his God, he was able to see past that. That family dynamic had no hold in him, couldn't shut him down. The second thing that David does is that he he cuts through the same kind of pressures, the, the obstacles of having significant people of authority in his life who also wanted to shut him down. And so let me see this here, the power of authority, experience, and knowledge, because this is what happened with Saul. You see, Saul got word that David was prepared to go up in battle against the Philistines, that he, was go, that he was happy to go out and take on this giant, Goliath. And so Saul calls for David. And it's amazing, when, we, when you read this, you can already begin to see that God's at work over here. David says to Saul in verse 32 over here, he says, he says, to, um, he says don't let anyone's heart fail them. <laughs> I love that. Here's this little guy, like Jude, you know, like, don't let anybody's heart fail them. I mean, there's a massive army out there. There's a king. Don't let anybody's heart fail them. You know, I, I love this guy. He says, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul, Saul looks at David. And he's like, you're not able to go against this Philistine. Please, man. You, you want to go? For, you're just a boy. Saul's like, you know, this Goliath, he's been a warrior since his youth. Are you mad? Can you picture it? David's in front of Saul. This great king, he's led an army, the Bible says, of 330,000 men. And and Scripture tells us that Saul, you know, he himself was, he was battle-hardened. He was famous. He was experienced. And he takes one look at David and he says, you're not able to do it. I don't know about you when you read stories like this, but I was thinking if I was in David's sandals, I'd be going, yeah, what am I, what am I thinking? You know, I'm out of here. But everyone was fearful. The whole army was scared. They didn't know what to do. And, and it's very interesting because Saul believed in God. The troops of Israel believed in God. The whole lot of them believed in the living God. But here they are. Acting like atheists. They lived as if he wasn't alive. They lived as if there was no God. They were their pants. And how often do we do the same thing, folk? How often do we do the same thing? We say we believe in God, but we act like atheists. We act like there isn't a living God. Here's Saul. He's fought these battles. He knows how to fight. He actually knows that God has delivered them before. But he looks at David and he says, you can't do it. You you can't do it. But David insists because he knows who he is. He knows how God has shaped him and formed him. And he knows God. And as a result, (coughs) he stands up to the authority and the experience of this battle-hardened king. Excuse me. 
breathed the wrong way. <clears throat> now my voice is going to be all husky. <clears throat> and so because of his fear, Saul, Saul gives in and says, okay, okay, <laughs> you go and do it, right? And so you know the story. He puts on this heavy armor. He gets all of Saul's armor. He gets all of the weaponry and stuff. And, and Saul like, looks at David and says, well, if you want to go, go. Yeah, yeah, you are. Go. And this Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 17 that David's got all his armor on and all, and all his weapons. And he can't hardly move. He's like, I, I can't even move in this. He's not used to it. And so David says, this isn't me. This isn't me. And, and, and again, this is so similar to what we have to contend with so often. David has all these guys around him, all these advisors of the king. He has King Saul with all this experience and all this authority telling him how to do it. But David, because he knew who he was in God, knew how he was formed in God, was in deep connection, relationship with God, he was able to cut through all the nonsense. And I just want to be clear over here. You know, with David, David wasn't coming from a place of arrogance. He actually admired Saul. He had great admiration for him. But he knew that all the advice and all the armor wasn't going to help him. And often we have people in our lives, don't we, who have all the experience and all the knowledge and want us to do it their way. And I want you to be careful over here because it's good for us to listen to counsel. It's good to take advice. Proverbs 15.22 tells us that there's wisdom in the counsel of others. So counsel and advice is a good thing. It's important. We've got to be humble and we've got to be wise so that we don't throw out good counsel. But David knows himself so well, he knows God so well, that he's an expert on himself. He's an expert on himself. And nobody can be an expert on you but you. Nobody knows you better than you. You are an expert on you. And David was able to listen to this counsel, but from a place of humility and a place of honesty and authenticity, he could say to himself, you know what, I'm measuring up what I'm hearing over here. I'm, I'm looking at all the stuff that's been given to me, but I, this is not what God wants for me. This is not good counsel. God's got a different path for me, and I'm going to go the way that God wants me to go. Now, I also just want to say that, that without a healthy heart, and I'm, when I talk about a healthy heart, I'm talking about what's going on in here, deep within your spirit, without a healthy inner spiritual and emotional life, this can be quite dangerous advice. Because sometimes people think, oh yeah, God's just, God's going to, I've got it, God's got a plan. And, and, and sometimes people go off and do things in the name of God that are insane. But David knew himself, and he knew that with God he could do it. And so, you know the story, he goes down to face Goliath, and that brings us here to the third obstacle that he had to deal with. He had to learn to deal with the family stuff, the messages that have, could, have, could have framed his life and all those expectations. He's learned how to deal with people who have experience and authority and, and how to craft his own way in God and with God. The third obstacle is the Goliath in front of him. And we all have a Goliath, don't we? We have those Goliaths, those Goliaths on the inside and those Goliaths on the outside. And David goes, he, and as he goes down, Goliath sees Goliath. David coming, and as he gets closer, Goliath realizes that he's just a young boy. He's 17, 18 years old. And Goliath gets angry, starts swearing at him, starts telling him what he's going to do to him. And again, if I was in David Sandals, man, I would have been out of there like so quickly. I mean, this guy's mad. What am I doing? But you see, 
I'm like you. I'm also on a journey of getting the inside straightened out before God. I want the inner transformation of God to happen in my life. And, and you know, if you, if you step out and seek to be your authentic self, you're also going to have to wrestle with that, <laughs> that question. <laughs> I could die. If I do this, I could die. This could be a disaster. You know, maybe I should just go back to what I was doing, the way I was living before. How can I do this? How can I be that person? How can I take this on? Because look at this Goliath. Look at this situation. Look at the circumstances. This thing's utterly sure of itself. And we forget the words of the song that we were singing this morning. I raise a hallelujah. How does it go? In the presence of my enemies, in the middle of the storm, I'm going to what? My weapon is ready. I raise a hallelujah. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. And we don't do that, do we? We look at that thing and we say, God, you want me to lead a small group? <laughs> Not a chance. You want me to lead a ministry? You want me to take that on? You want me to take on this new role, this new job, whatever it might be? You want me to get married? You serious? don't know why I said that. <clears throat> Goliath tells David in no uncertain terms. He's like, mate, you're dead. You're as good as dead. And, and, and the thing is, is that for Goliath, God was utterly irrelevant. But David knew who he was in God. He knew what was going on. He knew who he was on the inside. He knew how God had gifted him. He knew his strengths. And he knew his God. And he had a radical alternative to all of the, psalm, the armor and the weaponry of Saul. David has this radical alternative. He goes, and what does he do? He goes down to the brook in the middle of the valley, and he picks up five Holy Spirit-inspired, directed stones. And he pulls out his sling. Anybody looking from the ridges thinking, this guy's done for, right? But he's operating out of his relationship with God. And you see, that's... That's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will counsel you and guide you in the way that you should go. The Holy Spirit is not divided between you knowing yourself and knowing God. This is the Spirit of God we're talking about over here. And David knew who he was, and so he lived true to who he was in God. He knew that God had not made him to go and fight Goliath on his terms with armor and with a spear. That's not who he was. He didn't go out there being dependent on doing the right thing. So people would like love him. No, David didn't go out there because he felt sorry for the people. He didn't go out there to try and keep the peace with everyone. You know, let's just keep everybody happy. Let me try something over here. He wasn't doing it for fame or for recognition. David could sense what no one else could sense. The presence and the prompting of the living God. David knew God. And David knew who he was in God. He knew how to work with a sling. He knew how to select the right stones. Because of his deep personal relationship with God, David knew that God had gifted him uniquely. God had gifted him in a unique way to defeat this giant, Goliath. He knew who he was. He knew who he wasn't. And so he had a spirit-inspired capacity to, to get on with what God wanted him to do, to meet those goals, to hold to those values. In spite of everything that was coming at him from his brothers and from the king and the pressure from the army and the soldiers and stuff. No, he could cut through all of that because he knew who he was. And so David was able to deal with the intensity of the feelings. Can you imagine when your older brother comes to you and starts getting on you? 
that's the stuff that, it hap- that happens. Anybody have an older brother? I was an older brother, so I know this. Um, you know, with Saul, the, the, the stress and anxiety that Saul must have placed on him, the seemingly insurmountable challenge of Goliath, it's, he struck fear into this entire army. And none of those things were able to overwhelm David's capacity to think intelligently. None of it. Because he was connected to God deeply. He knew who he was. He was comfortable with himself. And so he was not afraid. He wasn't afraid. You know, so often as Christians, because we don't really know what's going on on the inside here, we're not really paying attention to become aware of it. We don't really spend that, that quality time with God. We don't really know how God has gifted us. So often I've seen this with so many Christians. They, they charge out there to take on some Goliath, to take it on, and they're thinking, that if I do this, then God's going to be with me. God's for me. They quote the little verses. Who can be against me if God's for me? You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? They go, they, and, and I'm going to deal with this issue, and I'm going to take this on, and I'm going to sort this out, and it's all going to be because God's going to be with me. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to do this thing. And then what happens so often, you know, they charge out there, I've got a supernatural strength, you know, the super is better than the natural, it's a supernatural, and we're out there. And how many people have you seen, because I've seen quite a few, they land up creating a big mess. And then you know what happens with so many Christians? They get angry with God. They get angry with God. Where were you? How come you, you're supposed to be for me? They start blaming God. But if we're confident in our relationship with God, if, we're, if we are in touch with who we are, who God has made us to be, our inner self, it's in that knowing of God that we might have listened to the voice of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit might have said, that's not what I want you to do. That's not my plan for you. You might have heard God say to you, I didn't gift you to do what you're doing. I gifted you to do that. Why are you doing this? How often... Do we land up doing stuff that's not within our gifting and it doesn't work out? And where's God? We've got to open up and say, Lord, speak to me. Is this what you want me to be doing? You see, David knew he was faithful to who he was. He's, he had this unique gifting and skill, and he knew that if he trusted God, Goliath would be defeated. And so David operates out of this authentic self, these strengths and these skills. And when that stone gets released from that sling, it finds its mark, and he takes down the, the giant, Goliath. And the amazing thing over here as well is that it's not David who gets the glory. Immediately, David glorifies God. God is glorified. David says over and over and over again, he says, the whole world must know that there is a living God amongst the people of Israel. There is a living God over this nation. And because he gave God the glory, God blessed the nation of Israel as a result. And here's my big point today, folk. When you become self-aware, when you take that time to slow down and begin to say, God, what is going on beneath the surface? When you begin to look at that and be honest with God about your true self, and when you really nurture your personal relationship with God, you really get before Him in prayer, you really get into those scriptures, you begin to say, God, I want this to be made real then breakthrough comes. Then breakthrough comes. The guidance of the Holy Spirit will become clearer. And you'll begin to live your life out of the uniqueness 
that God has made you to be. And as a result, everyone around you is going to be blessed. But if you live your life in a way that is not you, if you're living your life in a way that is not unique to, to the way God has made you to be, you're kind of going to remain in that difficult place. And you could even maybe land up hurting yourself, if not people around you. And you know the thing is, folk, God has given us a free will. That's, that's how much God loves us. He, he hasn't created robots. He has given each of us a free will. And so we have a choice. God has given us the freedom to be what, 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 to, and do what we want. We, are, we have the liberty to be real or unreal. We can be true or we can be fake. We can be false. That choice is ours. But just as David was unique, God has made each and every one of you unique. God's made you unique. Not one of you have the same palm pattern. Not one of us have the same retina pattern in our eyes. You are unique, wonderfully made. And, and if you're going to choose to live faithfully to who God has made you to be, to your true self in God, you're going to have to pay attention to what's happening below, below the surface. And I have to tell you that this might mean you're going to have to find somebody to talk to, a trusted companion, a trusted friend, to speak into your life and say, would you speak into my life? What do you see that I'm not seeing? I've got blinkers on. I'm in an echo chamber. Will you, will you speak to me about what you see so that I can begin to open up and begin to bring that before God? And you have to take time to cultivate your relationship with God. Folk, I am so disturbed by how many people do not pick this, this, this book up on a regular basis and say, God, open up my eyes. Open up my eyes as I read this. Speak to my heart and close it and be quiet. And just say, Lord, here I am. Here's the true me, the broken me. You know the inside. Lord, if you've got to break more stuff, break it so that you can reshape me and remold me. Shatter me into a thousand pieces, God. But come and do something on the inside to restore and redeem and heal. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It's turning on some of that worship music and filling the atmosphere. Getting your Christian playlist out and filling the atmosphere in your home. Filling the atmosphere in your room. Because all of the troubles and the stuff that's coming your way, sometimes the enemy creeps in and we don't even know it because of the lyrics to the song or because of something that's gone down and the enemy's getting in and the enemy is spiritual and we are spiritual and that's where the enemy comes. God works through us. The enemy also can come and buffet us and work up against us. And what we've got to do is we've got to clear the atmosphere. We've got to make our relationship with God real. We've got to get real about this. He's not a, he's not a pretend God. He is the living God. We can't call ourselves Christians and live like atheists. We have to move out of our comfort zone. Pray for courage. David, David knew that he had a massive resource beyond his own power. God. God. And so do you. That Israelite army was so dismayed, absolutely terrified, the Bible says, day after day. They were living a life that was not theirs. It was not God's plan for them. They were living in fear when they didn't have to because God was there. God was there for them. The problem was that they only knew God up here. They only knew God intellectually. They were not experiencing him in here, in here. There was, and as a result, because there was no experiential understanding, an experiential relationship with God, the fruit of that was not being seen. 
because it was just up here. The question I think is, maybe this is what we've got to go home with, is, is, is am I being true to who God has made me to be? Are you being true to who God has made you to be? Let's just put that question up there, Jude. Are you being true to who God has made you to be? It might mean that you've actually got to deal with some of the stuff that's gone down in your life. Maybe you've got to deal with some of the family stuff in your life. Maybe you've got to go through what you've experienced when you've, come, when you've dealt with people who have authority and knowledge and power. Maybe it's, you're going to have to work through some of the giants that you've had to face in life. Maybe you've got to weigh up the importance of the approval of people against the death of your own soul. Because so often that can shrivel up our soul on the inside over time if we're living out our life for other people or living somebody else's dream in, instead of what God's got for me personally. Or maybe you're just going to be another so-called Christian who knows God in your head, but you've not had an ongoing experiential encounter with the living God. David knew that God was with him. And you know, Jesus gave us the same promise. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you until the end of the age. He said, I'll be with you always. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, why did I come to church this morning? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're thinking about your own life right now and you're saying, what do I do? David, just as he was for the army of Israel, Jesus is for us. Jesus is our warrior. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our anointed one. And the real Goliath for us is the enemy, is Satan. And Satan is real. And just like David defeated Goliath, Jesus came to this earth and he conquered Satan through his death and his resurrection. And so now we can have, through Jesus, forgiveness for the stuff that's going on on the inside that we need forgiveness for. We can have that forgiveness through him, but we also have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And just as the armies of Israel could follow David and go on to defeat the, the Philistines, because Jesus has defeated the powers of darkness, God enables us to actually get up and defeat those things which lie in front of us and become who God has planned for us to be, our authentic true self. We are meant to exercise faith and courage just like David. But we're not going to do it unless we're right with God. And by grace, we can be made right with God. By grace, we can live an authentic life in God. I want to tell you this morning that God wants to guide you. God, God has got a path for you, and it's a path of righteousness. It's a, it's a path of right living. It's living the way God, and doing the things God wants you to do. And it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be those twists and turns. But that's why we have the Spirit with us. The Spirit is there to tell us, go left, go right. Don't do that. Go this way. You're important. You're important to God. He loves you. I've recently spoke to some people who have been going through some stuff and they've forgotten about the fact that God loves them and that they're important to Him. And He wants to guide you and He wants to help you. But folk, if we're going to grow, we have to put Him first and we genuinely have to say, Jesus, 
I'm going to follow you.